0: the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This.
1: This. This, this,
0: is, is, A-V A-V Nation. Nation. this is AV Nation.
1: This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 62, recorded Friday, October 12th, 2012. Hail to the chief. Ready. AV, AV Week
0: scan week
1: online this is av week av av week it's time for av week your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information my name is tim albright i am your host thank you so very much for joining us This week, we have Stephen McKay. He is the Vice President of Sales from iAVI. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me back, Tim.
2: It's uh, great to be back on your show again. Absolutely.
1: Uh, And also with us this week is one of my buddies from the EdTech podcast that we do. His name is Greg Brown. He is the Media Systems Engineer for UCLA. How are you, sir?
3: Hello, Tim. Hello, Stephen. Always a pleasure to be here on the on the big show. The big, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, this
1: week we're going to talk well, about as as opposed to the ed tech, you know, with the little that one, and... That's a big show too. I mean, anyhow, uh, <laughs> this week we're going to talk about an awful lot about Infocom. Everything from AV Week, which is next week, not the podcast, but the actual real AV Week, <laughs> the the celebration. Uh, Infocom going all over the world, uh, the international part, I guess of Infocom. <clears throat> The LED turns 50 this week, and Boxy has a new way to cut the cord. But first, I wish I could hum the, the presidential mark. Dun, dun, you know, anyway, I can't. So, uh, But this week, Infocom announced the successor to Dr. Randy Limke. His name is David Labuskis, and I apologize if I'm butchering his name. But uh, David is the CTS and also an RCDD. Um, currently he works for a, a, uh, a consulting firm. He's been around for a long time. Uh, he will take over January 1st uh, of this year after, after Dr. Randy, uh, Limke, uh, steps down at the end of 2012. Um, Greg, we'll start with you. Is this a good choice? Um, did you expect somebody like a consultant or were you thinking more along the lines of somebody, maybe somebody outside of the industry?
3: uh, uh. I wasn't sure what to expect, to be honest with
1: okay, you. That's a fair answer. You know,
3: I was not, uh, I, I was sort of in my early AV days when when Randy took the lead. And um, it's it's only the last couple of years that I sort of got a feel for how much really he has, you know, his, his imprint is what Infocom has become. So um, I don't know uh, David here. It's David, right? Yeah, that's David. David um, Yeah, I'm looking at it here. I don't know David, and I'm not familiar with his company either. But he, I, I, it seems like a good choice just based on his background and what he has done. He seems like a smart AV guy, which is, you know, probably a safe choice. So, welcome and uh, good luck.
1: Uh, Steven, this guy is—he used to be uh, president and CEO of something called Premier Technology Services, It's a, a software uh, and design consulting firm. Before uh-huh. that, he worked for a, a payment—you uh, know, a, a accelerated payment systems company. So he has the AV credentials, but he also has—you know—work outside of the industry. Is this—is that a good thing, or is, is it? Would you rather have somebody that's—you know—was born and bred inside AV?
2: And no, I think it is a good thing. I think to have other experience and bring that to the table is 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 the way to go. And uh, just first of all, I just want to thank uh, 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 Randall Limsky for for Limsky, sorry for for all of his services involved. Absolutely. And, and what he's done with Infocom, having been around Infocom for over fifteen years, and uh, we've uh, we've exhibited at many trade shows. I've been to the Infocom One Hundred. You know, he did a fantastic job, and I, I trust he had a say. Uh, in in uh, the appointment uh, of the uh, new CEO, in David, and uh, I think that you know there's some wise heads there that that looked at the background uh, of David and and felt that he could be the right choice for going forward for Infocom.
1: Absolutely. So yes, welcome, welcome David, and uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you next year at all the different Infocom shows, uh, especially the one in there in Orlando uh, in June. So. Uh, next up on Monday, Polycom came out with something, and I, I <coughs> saw the press release, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, and then I read into more of it and talked with an integrator friend of mine who was beside himself with excitement. Um, I'm, I'm not kidding. This guy does not get excited very, very easily. It's called Polycom Real Presence, and here's the, the down and dirty version of it. Um, Polycom is basically saying we're open to all parties. We'll talk to anybody. We'll do hybrid clouds and this, that, and the other. We'll do hard codecs and we'll do soft codecs and the whole bit. We'll work with Microsoft Link. We'll work with anybody. And uh, this, this integrator was telling me that on the on the the uh, integrator call that that the guy from the CEO of Polycom uh, held said, "You know what? I'm not trying to be arrogant or, or or lay down any gauntlets here, but by two or three years from now." I will guarantee you that Polycom will have 100% deployment on the enterprise level. Okay, sure. Wow. Oh. <laughs> He's <laughs> awfully proud of this. <laughs> um, oh, S- yeah. Steven, um, first of all, Polycom is, is a Putting video it conference company, right? It, that's what they do. Yeah. Um, and they have done something that people like Greg and myself and other guys who deal with technology on a, on a somewhat end-user level here have been asking about for, have been asking for for years, which is, you know what, give us a way to talk to everybody, give us a way to talk to Skype.
3: Correct. Yes,
1: we want a hundred thousand dollar or a fifty thousand dollar or a ten thousand dollar video conferencing system, but give me the ability to also talk to a, you know, a, an Apple iP- iPad with Skype on it. So have Absolutely. they have they done that? Here?
2: Yeah, they, they've, done, they've made the right move. I think to stay competitive, there's so many platforms now for, for us to communicate that they've got to enter those platforms and, and, and I think that they've done the, the right move here. Uh, it's a competitive move and I think that they, they will reap the benefits from it, absolutely. And this, you know, you, when, you, when you look at if, the, if people have Cisco or LifeSize or any number of MondoPad or any number of video conferencing devices out there and what, they can all talk cross-platform now, uh, that that's a great move,
1: Greg. Is this something that makes you as a technology manager want to spec more Polycom? Because then it doesn't matter what anybody else brings in; you can connect to it.
3: Uh, I don't know whether want to so much as they're probably putting themselves in the position where um, you know if they play this right, why would you go anyplace else? I mean. I, when I read this, I was thinking about all the uh, the buzz we heard. Was it around the time of the show last year, where Blue Jeans Network yes. came mm-hmm. out with uh, with its ability to sort of do a version of this, and, and everybody else was sort of, wow, you know, if only one of the big companies would do this, but it's it's really huge that that's you know little upstart company came up with something like this because, you know, in higher education. God forbid anybody uses the same platform for <laughs> anything. You know, uh, there, there's there's no standards whatsoever. So th- this is huge, and and I think it also ties in with the talk we had. I think it was just last week or last month on the EdTech podcast about some of these companies that you know aren't aren't really paying attention while their world changes. And I think this is a good si- good example of the flip side of that coin of a company that understands that you know the their the codec box you know physical with their name emblazoned on it is 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 changing and it's not necessarily what the future is going to bring and. They seem to be on top of it. And I I ran it by a friend of mine who's a lot more VTC savvy than me. And and she was like, oh, yeah, this is really cool to see this from a big, competent company like Polycom where you know, you know, they are serious about this. And if they really continue to, you know, put in the, the effort into this, they are going to be, you know, one of the big key players if not in where all of this is technology is going in the next year or two.
1: Okay, let me ask you a question and I'm not I'm not trying to bash on Cisco so don't misunderstand here. But are we surprised that it wasn't Cisco who is let's be honest, they are the the big computer guys, right? They they're the ones who own the, the switches and the, and the routers and the computer stuff, and this, that, and the other. And they purchased yeah. Tanberg a couple of years ago. And at the time, I, you know, I was like, holy cow, really, Cisco? And, but it makes sense because of all the routing. Are we mm. surprised, Greg, that they didn't come up with something like this? Or are they so ingrained in their own silo that they didn't see outside that box?
3: <laughs> That's a good question. I remember wandering around the Cisco booth at Infocom here the last year, and I really, I I didn't get a good feel for really what they wanted to be or do. It seemed to be, hey, we're going to show you a little bit of lots and lots of stuff because we're into lots and lots of stuff. Um, I I didn't see anything new and revolutionary and, hey, here's a corner of the market where we're going to be new and innovative they they my impression seems to be more they're they're juggling lots and lots of balls and they're busy doing that rather than being you know the 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 standard carrier in any particular one when you started
2: mentioning when you started mentioning their their own silo i would say tim definitely involved in their own silo polycom Main focus is video conferencing. Yeah, they've been doing it for years. Right. They develop it. Right. Uh, Cisco go ahead. They buy Tamburg, and they they also now we're in the we're in the video conferencing business. How much research and development have they put in since they since the Tamburg name went away? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know, little old company like Infocus who came out with their Mondo Pad. Uh, you know, which has a PC on board. You can use either the platform that they have and take any bridge on that you want or you can use the Skype that's that's part of the uh you know windows uh pc that's on board so yeah cisco's huge it's not their main focus companies like life size polycom you know people like that i think are the ones that are putting the main research and development in
1: that's good that that no that, that's a good thought and that that was one my one concern is the wrong word because you know i didn't own <laughs> Danberg, i didn't have a stake in it but that was my one concern uh, when when Cisco did buy Tanberg, it's like, oh, well, now they're a Cisco property. Right. right. Just well, we haven't
3: seen we haven't seen any new Tanberg product, or I well, yeah, Tanberg because they don't exist anymore. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's I, I looking at it at the show, it was largely the same C series that Tan Tan Ciscoberg had before. I see what you you're
1: know? saying. So, in other words, that Cisco you know, hasn't developed anything. Since purchasing well, I, them,
3: that wasn't my impression. Like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not Uber VTC heavy, but um, I, I have not seen that line change much.
1: And I and I would agree with that because the last really cool thing I saw from Tanberg as they stood alone, uh, and that was two years ago. It was right after uh, Infocom 2011 that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, the last time we were in in, in Orlando was the last time Tanberg was was their own deal. Um, <laughs> I believe at least uh, it was these, these great giant blades that you could add multiple, you know, connections upon connections upon connections. And they had this, this right. pretty substantial wall that I want to say it was 12 or 16 connections together. It was very impressive. I had no use, you know, I, I didn't have a, a use case for it, but it was very impressive. But I saw something very similar this past year in Vegas.
2: Yeah. When it- when it comes to uh, video conferencing, too, one of the one of the trends, just it's still on the topic of video conferencing. But one of the things we're starting to see, Tim, is a couple of the panel guys are starting to push VC again. Uh, LG would be one. They're really starting to push their video conferencing. Uh, and when I say push it, you know, they're they're trying to get us to push it and and, and make a move on it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure we're sure where Sony's development is going. Uh, with the VC, but they, you know, they're still making some noises on it. So it's one of those topics that seems to be uh, coming to the surface again. Uh, video
1: conferencing, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Do you mean like they're pushing their own integrated video conferencing, Stephen? Yes, or, okay, yes, or you. codec,
2: or yes, uh-huh. whatever, whatever. Yeah, well, the, the Mondo Pad. Have you seen the Mondo Pad? I've have have not.
3: I have not awesome to, product, really. it, Awesome it's a, product. It's an awesome product.
2: It really is. It's everything's inbuilt, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, you've seen it, uh, Greg. So you know, it's it's an awesome product, and uh, it's all inbuilt. It's 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 simple, but it's it's cost effective. It's got a panel, uh, camera. Uh, everything PC all built in and it's so cost effective it's incredible. I'll be very and honest. And that's what
3: people are going for these days, you know.
2: <laughs> Every it, time it, you
3: imagine, s- um, imagine a uh, in, an iPad but in a forty-inch wall yeah. mount. Holy monitor. cow! Or oh, fifty-five, fifty-five inch. Is it
2: 55? fifty-five? I thought it was fifty-five. Oh, no, geez. fifty-five, and they get it, and they've got a sixty-five. I think coming up shortly. Wow.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. I didn't know about yeah.
1: the new sizes. Yeah, new I size sharp coming out one but okay yeah that's why we have steven on he does this cool stuff like that
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i
2: hope i know some cool stuff
1: (laughs) no i see i i haven't messed with it every time you say mondo pad i think of madero and i'm yeah a max land so
2: yeah there's a go on youtube there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on mondo pad on youtube i have a look at it it's a cool product
1: awesome um all right uh delving slightly into the residential um area here for a second guys um one of the things that we have talked about multiple times over the last year or so is cord cutting and 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 content and content management and online content not not for nothing but that's kind of what we do is is make <laughs> online content <laughs> uh but also it it, it, it only affects the home market of av but also the boardrooms and, and greg and i's area which is education because you have somebody that has an ipad and they want to be able to show what's on their iPad in their classroom. Uh, mm-hmm. Enter in, if you will, please, the boxy TV. And this was something that has been developed over the past few years. Uh, the Verge, we'll put a link on the website, has obtained copies, quote unquote, of this interesting little box. Uh, mm-hmm. This specific one, which is why I bring this up, not only does it have an HDTV antenna, so let me lay this down for you. You can have access to Internet content, meaning YouTube and Hulu and um, various other, um, you know, uh, Vimeo and other video sites. But you also have an HDTV tuner. In other words, you can watch over-the-air television in your local area here in St. Louis. I can watch Channel 5, which is the NBC affiliate um, in HD. And then it has a DVR. So, (laughs) Stephen. (laughs) um, First of all, I think you guys should distribute this so I can buy one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> se- already second, called them, Tim. It's already on the book. Se- <laughs> second, is this, I mean, special discount? Special, di- Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, guys like uh, not just Charter, which is the St. Louis version of, of cable, but, you know, Comcast and Time Warner have to be shaking in their boots. But so do guys who like, like, um, uh, The Scientific Atlantics and the uh, the Motorola's of the world who make most set top boxes have got Mm -hmm. to be looking at these guys going, what the heck are you doing?
2: So I have a question for you, Tim, because uh-huh. I was reading through this article and and understanding that you can get that local channel in St. Louis that you talked about. Like I have our four or five local channels here. Yeah. But what about my HBO and and stars and and all this sort of other stuff that Direct TV, which is what I have in my area, wh- where does where does that come from? Where does that go? Or do I have to have two set top boxes, one acting as the PC type scenario like this one, uh, if I'm doing YouTube, Hulu, and all this other stuff, and then my direct tv for the hbo and stuff is that is that what's happening here or well
1: yes and no i mean you you can certainly do do that scenario right you can still have i mean you you wouldn't use this specific one for uh because it has over the air because you're already getting that with with direct tv or dish but this is this is kind of for that person who really wants to cut the cable cord right they all they want to do is get stuff off the internet and yeah if i want to watch you know NBC News or, or ABC News or CBS Live, I can do it over the air. Mm-hmm. If I want to get Game of Thrones, which is a huge thing on, on HBO, or yep. Dexter, which is a huge thing on, on, yep. on Showtime, yep, you have a couple of different options, right? You can get an Apple TV and, and buy those seasons, right? And so those are released um, over the over the internet and you can watch them there on, on your set-top box. Now, whether or not Boxy has access to the Apple version of that 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 they don't so you'll have to get another device for that but they would have subscriptions if you wanted to buy you know an HBO to go subscription if HBO ever made that available exclusively online that mm. would be that would be an option
2: well i see that they have 200 they had 200 200,000 active users correct on their on their old yes. on their initial box yeah so with these improvements i've got to think there's a market out there i don't understand this market you know well enough we have the apple tv box in our boardroom and we utilize that and it's fantastic it works really well it's simple uh and uh and uh, very effective so if this has got all the advantages and more of that i can absolutely absolutely see there's a market there for it and i'd certainly like to try it out to see uh uh, how effective it actually is yeah
1: greg the boxy the interface for that has been one of those that i've been watching with interest just because of the stability of it and everything that it makes available is this something where you or I could put this in a classroom, or is this going to be more or less a, a, a residential uh, piece of equipment?
3: Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out the higher ed application, and I just, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see enough people using over the air that often. Um, usually, it's you know some sort of esoteric recording of some sort. Um, so I, I, I wanted to like this. I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge media consumer at home. I have my, I still have my old great big CRT hooked up to my basic universe package and, uh, you know, wanted to like this, but yeah, you know, in lieu of being able to get, you know, some of the, at least some of the basic cable type stuff lot you know like your live sports and stuff like that you know that's uh, hey do we need to talk about hockey again there no <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I just I just don't see it I think it'll probably be uh, uh, attract some odd number of users and be a useful thing in in another small niche like their their first product um, you know at least Fortunately, I seem to have gotten away from that really bizarre two-sided remote they had with the first one. Um, yeah, look that up online. It had, like, buttons on – full full QWERTY keyboard on one side and, like, buttons on the other. It was bizarre. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think niche product, and I don't see a higher ed app.
1: Well, and the other thing is um – I don't see a, a real good higher ed app either. But the one thing about the boxy that anybody else, yeah, you know, I shouldn't say nobody else does, you know, else has because you have Myth TV boxes, you have the Roku. Um, the thing but also,
2: also higher ed though too. When you look at you're online all the time. Their computers, they've got their iPads, their computers, in, in the room. Uh, so really, they can connect to YouTube, Hulu, or anything just just online within the room that they're in. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's the if thing. If they
3: have a Hulu account, that's not something we provide for them.
1: No, no but, okay. but, but but we do yeah. typically provide an internet access. So if you yes. can get it on a yes. on a PC, then that should be fine.
3: Yeah, uh, we, we have we have wired, and we are actually working on wireless as we speak.
1: There you go. <laughs> you say that like it's like this. Di- these deep dark arts. Uh, <laughs> wireless. Uh, We're going
3: wireless? When did that happen? <laughs> uh, actually, with with the with the uh, note that AV and IT are two different groups, yes, getting wireless into the classroom seems to be the deep dark arts at wow. UCLA.
1: Okay, oh. I have a really stupid quick story about a consultant. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who uh, who is a consultant, and uh, he went up against this other person, and he didn't get the contract. The the other gentleman was significantly less expensive, and so my friend said, okay, that's fine. Uh, they called him like six months later, and after the project was finished, and said, "Can you come look at our system because it's just not working?" And so he went in and took a look at it. Uh, and they had all these 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 WAPs, these wireless access points, and they didn't have any any Ethernet running to them. Um, and, and so he's sitting down. Oh yeah, he's sitting down at the at the conference table and explaining the situation. And he goes, "I noticed you had." all these wireless access points, but you don't have any you know, any actual cable running to them. I said, oh, yeah, the guy said that we didn't need any because it's wireless. <laughs> and my, my friend said, excuse me? And he said, oh, yeah, the guy said we don't need any because they're wireless. <laughs> and so it took him a half an hour to explain Whoa. to this nice school that, yes, they are wireless access points, but you have to have cable running to them. That's a treat. That's a treat. So the moral of that story is, you get what you paid for when it comes to yeah, consultants.
2: Getting, getting, <laughs> yeah, get Someone's gone to try, tidy that rod up. Yeah.
1: So uh,
3: another another brief story to file file under uh, the the rocket scientists in a, in the IT world is uh, a week before classes started here, they were pulling cables in one of our big auditoriums for. Some sort of future event where they needed. They, I, I don't know the backstory on this part, but they needed 20 wireless access points in this auditorium, so they're pulling this bundle I'm, of like I'm sorry, 20 what, or 30. Twenty. What? Wow. Uh, wait, wait. I. It, this is this is so screwy. I didn't even bother to ask about that aspect of the project, but they're pulling this bundle of cables, right? And they're pulling them through the uh, through the ceiling of one of our auditoriums. You know, up above the drop tile ceiling and while they're pulling the cables, you know, they see this big, you know, folded scissor sort of looking thing with a motor and there was a video projector and stuff like that. But it was sort of right where they needed to pull the cable. So they pulled the cables right through it.
1: Oh, my Ouch. It
3: was one of our video projector lifts. And so like oh. the day before or the you know two days before classes started, somebody came in and hit the button. Okay. And the thing just destroyed itself it it broke the belt oh. on the motor it's oh. it uh, snapped one of the steel cables it pulled oh. down a section of ceiling it was a glorious disaster oh, <laughs> and uh and we're joke. working on the uh, we're working on the bill to send to our it compatriots
1: yes mm-hmm. wow and so
3: yeah, I, I'm not, not, not having a lot of faith in the IT side
1: of the house this month. I guess not. <laughs> oh, my. Ouch. Well, on that note... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Good
3: story, They agree. I like wow. it. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I had to bash
1: somebody this month. Well, yeah. yeah, and and you know what? The IT guys are always fun for that because they don't have a sense of humor, so... um. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from the AV com. Uh, and uh, an article that caught my eye because we're having Stephen on and not for nothing, but Steven's from IAVI, which is a, an AV distributor. Uh, the articles from Karen Mitchell and she writes selecting an AV distributor to deliver success. So my question is Stephen, how would I go about selecting an AV distributor?
2: Well, that's a very good question <laughs> that Tim, Tim, the thing is this, uh, for 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 years I actually resisted wanting to be called a distributor I wanted to be called be called a supplier the okay. reason being that the, the the distributor the connotation of that word was was all bad uh it was like oh we can't go direct you're shoving us through distribution thanks very much <laughs> and it was like really no it's not it's not that way at all and it's changed over the years and 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 I'm glad that uh you know I'm so pleased that Karen wrote this uh, article and please if you get a chance people have a, have a read of it uh the the and some of the customers that are on there are our customers and and I'm sure deal with other distributors as well, but the deal is this: anybody that resells, you know, that's that's where we can assist you uh, as a distributor. And there's many there's many customers out there that are not, the, are, are not are not of the size maybe that a manufacturer wants to take them direct. So we're set up to help. Customers like that at its basic level. We stock for these manufacturers. We carry the AR. We do the the follow up calls. We you know we do everything uh, for the manufacturer. Over the years, the manufacturers are becoming more and more strained. Their margins are getting thinner. They can't afford to carry as much AR. Let's say one manufacturer in particular might have. Uh, 500 customers on their books if you take the 80 20 rule 80% of the business is coming from 20%, uh, of the- 20% of the exactly and the reps on the ground just can't get to these other customers and these you know these smaller customers who who are who are uh, integral to our to our survival and part of our business they got they've got calls they've got to make to the manufacturer and they're taking up a lot of the manufacturer's time We're there to be an extension of the manufacturer. The other thing is manufacturers will give volume incentive rebates, uh, MDF funds, uh, all that sort of thing based on volume. Well, if we can do that volume, we can then pass that benefit on to the integrator, the reseller, a benefit that they might not be able to reach because of their volume the other thing is that if you try and get hold of a manufacturer because they are strained you're going to have a hard time calling them if you call somebody like us as a value add distributor we're going to have three or four people for you to talk to we're going to fill out the registration form for you uh, if you're registering a project we're going to fill out the rma form for you if you have a return we're going to be a backup for you if it's a doa product that you get and the manufacturer can't get it out in time we're going to get it out for them so the idea here is that the manufacturers, we want them to concentrate on their key people, and we want to help the, the, the other integrators that maybe it's not beneficial being direct. That's kind of, the, kind of the story there, and if you read the article, I think these, people, uh, these customers in the article uh, back
1: what I just said. One thing I've always wanted to ask a, a distributor, and I've just never taken the time to <laughs> pick up the phone and ask. Mm. So you're here, so I'll ask. Uh, with the recording, <laughs> you know, going, um,
3: we are recording this, right? We now. are
1: recording yes, it's it's this just on the record. Um, <laughs> Greg and I you're are shining the
3: bright light in his face, right? Uh, <laughs>
1: Greg and I are both um, education guys, right? We, you know, and and for most people, we would be considered. I'm not going to say end users because I'll, I'll have integrator friends of mine argue with me back and forth because technically, you know, we're not the end user because we're not the professors, but we're the end user because our, our our colleges are the ones who, co- you know, who purchase the, the final thing. Yeah. How, yeah. how would, I mean, do, do, is there a mechanism or how would we get a relationship with, with a distributor? I mean, is that, is that even possible?
2: Well, the, in like in like in everything in the world, there's exceptions. Uh, the clear cut rule, letter of the law for us is we're not allowed to sell directly to an end user. Okay. Well, we we could say that directly of some of the manufacturers. They say no, we don't sell to end users. Well, we know they do. Uh, you know, if you get a uh, like a. Uh, AMC Theatres was a good example. You know, Sanyo went direct with them when Sanyo was around. And, uh, you know, Reseller was cut out. So what happens here is that we've come to find some education facilities, kind of like Greg's maybe, and I, and I don't know Greg's setup, but they have their own in-house installers, programmers. They don't use any outside uh, integrator to, to do work in their institution. So who are they going to buy off at that point? And why should they be paying retail? So to help with these gray areas, what we've done is we've decided we'll go to the manufacturer. We will check with them if they're okay with it so there's no backlash. And if they are okay with it and we get their blessing, then we speak with whoever they allow
1: us to speak to. And that's fair. That's fair. Greg, did you have any any questions now that we have a a, a distributor under lamp? (laughs) (laughs) Under duress? No, I,
3: I see it. Um, I, and we, we do have that sort of situation, Stephen, that you described that we, we, at least our group and, and we're eh, roughly half the AV on campus. We, we do pretty much everything in house. And, um, yeah, we're we have sort of been going the other way. It seems you know we would buy from resellers, and you know we have a purchasing department who will line them all up and beat them, you know, into submission and get, you know, t- terribly discounted off of retail pricing. So we never we, we never had to deal with uh, getting things at retail, um, but um, we uh, we recently just this last year had a company that we buy. A lot of projectors from, and I, I won't give them a free plug. They can they can become one of our sponsors if they want the they want the plug. You, you like that, Tim?
1: I like that, weaving
3: yes. that in there. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of our projector manufacturers sort of gave us the option. Hey, you know, um, you know, rather than buy from this company, uh, call these folks. They're a distributor. They'll give you dealer pricing, and right. and they just cut out um, you know all of the other local resellers that we would buy stuff from. And so I'm wondering if we're going to see more stuff go that way.
2: Well, is it? Yeah. And, and, and look, it's a really touchy subject here because some of the people that yes. can be listening oh, go, yes. could, could be our customers. And, you know, the last thing we want to do is cut off our nose to spite our face. Well, yeah. But just like just like when a manufacturer will come to us and say, Stephen, we're going to take this dealer direct now because they want, you know, they'll only keep buying if we, if we go direct. We're big boys and we go, OK, I get it. No problem. Go ahead. Uh, so again, we try and play it as politically correct
1: as we can. And that, that, that's fair. Yeah. 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 Uh, you are listening to AV Week with Stephen McKay from IAVI and Greg Brown from UCLA. We're going to step away for just one second here, guys, and talk with uh, Don Mead, uh, Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts, and Mr. Matthew Silverman from George Mason University. How are you guys? Good. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. Good. Uh, Don, explain to us real quickly, uh, because I've never been to an Infocom 100. What is it, and, and why is it why is it important?
0: Well, this is the first one that I've been to. Um, my understanding is it's an invitation-only group of, as Infocom says, 100 top thought leaders in the industry and related industries, and they bring us together to examine one topic that's of importance each year, the industry, or going to be of importance to the industry, and we sort of review that topic in depth over the course of a couple of days, and try to come up with uh, what, what's going to how it's going to impact our industry and where we can go from here.
1: <clears throat> All right, Steve. So, what was? Can you tell me what the one? I mean, is that is that against the rules? Can you, can you tell me what the sure. what, what the one topic sure. was?
0: Sure. We talked about the smart building imperative this year, which basically is. Taking what we do to the next level, incorporating building controls and, and completing the picture, going beyond
1: AD. No, that makes sense. And Matt, you're a you're a big control guy and integration guy when it comes to George Mason on your campus. Is this something already in line with what you guys are doing and what others that we've talked to about already? Uh, we're doing on their campuses and also in, in their buildings where they're trying to integrate everybody from Johnson's Controls to train to the lighting to the AV systems?
0: Well, I think Steve mentioned, this is kind of the next step for our industry as a whole. It's not something that we've started getting involved in yet, but it will definitely be on our horizon in the next couple of years. And this, this, this is really kind of looking out. It's really a short-term project. This is not midterm. It's not long-term. This is really, I think, the next, Great challenge we have as an industry as we try to become more of
1: the glue in the solution that we provide to our clients and customers. Very cool. All right. Uh, one one more one thing, you guys. Where are you exactly? Where are you? Where's Infocom 100 this year?
0: Um, it's in Western Virginia, not too far from the actual Infocom okay. uh, campus, I guess, or office. But uh, they have it at a hotel and bring everybody in from all over the country and all over the world, actually. We get some people from Canada and. Uh, from the, UK. from the UK as well, so I'll uh, try to bring in as many people as they can. Uh, we will get
1: here. Is there anybody from New Zealand? <laughs> I, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually an alumni of the Infocom 100 myself, uh, Tim. Go. Yeah, from a
2: from a few years ago, and it's a great show. And I remember, I can't even remember the topic right now. I'd have to look it back up. But yes, there was a, uh, a lady from New Zealand there, and she actually got an award. Oh, very uh, nice. For, as a lady in AV. Okay. So, yep.
0: That is, it is actually the place where they give out the Women in AV Awards, the Young AV Professional Awards, and the mm-hmm. Green Sustainable Technology Awards. So mm-hmm. it's also sort of the industry, congratulations.
2: And We've it's a fantastic... A volunteer of the year, yeah. Yep. It's a fantastic broad range of people. You heard uh, Dawn and uh, Steve and those guys just mentioning the broad range of people that are there from different countries, and to have an intimate meeting like that with those hundred people and sit at different tables
1: and different discussions I found truly rewarding. Very cool. All right guys. Well thank you so much for joining us. Even you know, it it's been a long week, a long couple of days of thinking and talking <coughs> and discussing, but I appreciate you guys coming by and, and at least giving us a heads up.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you. That was the Infocom 100 with uh with our special guest Matt Silverman, Steve Greenblatt and A V Don, Don Mead. Uh, up next for us guys is a real quick question and and maybe that it's a silly question, I don't know. Um, it's 50 years ago this past week the uh, October 9th 1962 actually. Uh, the first visible LED is demonstrated. yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is is this a big deal? Um all, all geekness aside, you know, is this a huge deal or Is it a bigger deal than what we're realizing, Greg?
3: I think it's becoming a big deal. I mean, the thing with LEDs is you got to remember that, uh, you know, it might be a little before your time, Tim, but we we all had to put up with 10 years of red LED digital watches being the the hot thing in the world. Um, I, I think now with lighting and energy conservation and LEDs moving into that, we're going to really see some cool stuff but um you know it 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 took a while it took a
1: while steven with with the uh this being the year of the of the commercially available oled at least that's what they keep Uh telling us uh, (laughs) from from ces on listening to
3: those marketing guys again you know what they said
1: it it was lg you know it's not like it was sony it was hurry up and wait. It hurry was up and Flip L G that said they were gonna have it by the end of the year. I mean, come on. Uh, but is this is this I mean, is this a significant milestone here? You know, it was fifty years ago today. Or not well, today, but a couple years ago. I'm I'm
2: really pleased that you sent me the article because you know LED was is is revolutionary. Uh, to, you know, to Greg's point, yes, has it been slow? Kind of like digital signage, yeah, it's been slow. But <laughs> you know, I, I mentioned to you, Tim, uh, prior to coming on with you, I'd been in Japan last week, yeah, uh, visiting with a manufacturer, and there's so much uh, research and development still to be had out of the LEDs and and where they're going, and they're getting them brighter and oh LED, as you said, there's some exciting stuff coming. I'm under MDAs. I can't. I can't mention anything on 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 air here right now. But there's nobody uh,
3: listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank thanks for that, Greg.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh wait. Yeah. I'm not supposed to say that, am I? Yeah. Yeah. But the you know, the, the,
2: the uh, I went to I went to see uh, a, a manufacturer, developer, uh, a few weeks ago, and they they were showing me. Uh, an an LED light source that is, is going to be so, so bright that, you know, it'll, it'll blow our minds. And I'm thinking, OK, well, I'll wait. I'll wait till see it. But that's what they say is coming. Like we mentioned, I think when I was on your show last time, we talked about laser <clears throat> being, the, being the next thing that we're going to see for high brightness projectors and, and all that good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, 50 years, uh, revolutionary. and
1: And thank goodness
2: that somebody came up with it.
1: Yes, thank goodness, because they can keep you know leading us along. Yeah, um, <laughs> th- there's a there's a call out. This is from Hidden Wires. Uh, there's a call out for uh, CDA presenters for next year, and um, I, I'm not you know I I'm, I don't I do this podcast. That's pretty much all I know. <laughs> so I, I won't be presenting next year. But it it, it led me to a, a, a bigger question, and I know some guys who do. Actually, Steve Green, who, who we just had on. He has presented at, Info, at Infocom in the past. And Matt. And Matt, yeah, actually, and Matt has presented as well. I think Don may have as well. Um, and so I, I look at this and I go, okay, you know what? I, I have personally learned uh, some stuff from Infocom and, and other uh, conferences I've gone to as well. So my question is, and Greg, we'll <clears throat> kick this off with you. Um, who do you think benefits most from these presentations, from these classes that we go to? Is it the audience or do you think that the presenters benefit as much or maybe more from a standpoint of they are having to, you know, research and, and develop this class? In addition, they get, you know, so, um, an amount of exposure for whatever it is that they're promoting.
3: You're going to ask the person who's never presented,
1: huh? I've never presented.
3: Well, neither have I. But, hey, how's, how's this for a, a, a plug? I probably will hear for the first time in Orlando at the Technology Managers Symposium, where you will probably also host a uh, little panel discussion.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. You, know, you, forget, you
3: did commit to that,
1: right? I did commit to that. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, real quickly, for, for those technology managers, and, and you'll have to remind me to do this on the EdTech show, um, where we are for the Technology Managers and Technology Managers Council, uh, we're having a Super Tuesday set of classes, right? Um, and If, at the, if
3: Infocom if, lets us. If
1: Infocom lets us, uh, the idea is to have a set of Super Tuesday classes. In other words, this would be all about Technology Managers. And at the end of the day, the idea, at least as of right now, um, is to have me moderate all of the presenters just having a general discussion. So. Yeah, this isn't this isn't this isn't going to be like a presidential debate, is it, uh, Tim? It will of... be, and I will be playing the, the part of of uh, Mister Learner. We,
3: we could all wear the big white powdered wigs. That might make it more interesting.
1: It, it certainly would. Yes. But,
3: Anyhow, but the the plan is that I will also be doing a a session there uh, also, and hopefully not uh, too late in the day, so everybody stays awake through it. But uh, all right. I'll, I'll get us back on track Thank here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Lord knows I rabbit a trail us enough. Um, you know, I, I'm i just, I I saw that was going to be your question and I sort of thought that, um, you, you know, I think the right situation is probably both. I, I can't imagine you don't put together a good presentation without learning some stuff, particularly with most of you know what we're trying to learn and find out in these presentations, being something new. I mean, why do we why do we go to Infocom and why do we go to the classes? It's you know, tell me something I don't know. You know, show me something, explain to me a different way of looking at things that I haven't I haven't occurred or hasn't occurred to me before. That's that's where I see the you, know, you used the the phrase thought leaders there earlier. That's where I see. Um, many of our thought leaders really leading is in just being the, the sponges of, you know, pulling in all this information from all the, the random disparate sources that, you know, we can pick up things in, in this little world of ours. And so I don't think you can put together a session without learning something, a good session. And on the flip side, well, I, I think the bottom line is, you know, passing it on to the people who, who, you know, paid their money and have shown up. So I would think it would be both.
1: Stephen, do you think it's both? Like Greg said, that it, it's both of them that, that, that benefit from this, both the presenters and the people attending the classes?
3: Hmm. My,
2: my, my spin on this one, Tim, is this.
1: What I see so often
2: is I see lots of poor presenters and if you have a poor presenter who's not trained I don't think that anybody in the audience benefits from that so even if it's a great topic if they're not a great presenter then that topic falls flat are they entertaining if you're a presenter I believe in some way shape or form you've got to be entertaining Greg mentioned he didn't want people to fall asleep in his uh, presentation well if you're entertaining why would people want to <laughs> fall asleep? they won't and uh, you know, I see this time and time again when I when I deal with manufacturer representatives or, or anybody. Are they trained in sales? Are they trained in presenting their product? And I've been to many shows where I've sat uh, at presentations, and I just went to the AS, IS security show in Philly. And I sat, and I was pleasantly surprised and, and truly entertained by this gentleman that was talking about security, something of which I don't know much about at all. But thanks to him, I know a little bit more than I did before. So it all depends on the topic, how it's presented. Is it entertaining? Are they self indulgent as a speaker? It's all about them, it's not about the audience. Uh, I think that plays a, a major factor as to whether or not we're going to get benefit, who benefits out of it.
1: Okay. That's valid. That's absolutely valid. Uh, from Innovate, uh, Innovate on the net.net, uh, Extron introduces a cable cubby. Everybody say yay. <laughs> yay. Woohoo. Um I I don't. And there was much rejoicing. You know what? I actually like cable cubbies. So
2: <laughs> I, yeah, we 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 have a cable cubby in our uh, in our boardroom and they're fantastic. I love them.
1: Uh but that's not the whole I mean yes, it's it's you know, it's it's nice that they did that and I appreciate Andrew um you know, working his fingers to the bone for that cable cubby uh, they but you make good cable covers. they do um the question really it, it kind of leads me to this um i don't think that there's been a week that's gone by that info uh, that that extron hasn't released some product or done something to do some sort of press release about and i say that to ask the question um that we asked in june and that we asked in april Did Extron make the right choice in not going to Infocom 2012? And I say that because, again, I don't believe that there has been a week, maybe two weeks, that has gone by that Extron has not been in the news of some way, shape, or form. Um, Greg, do you think that they made the right choice in, in not coming to Infocom? Because apparently their strategy is don't go to the show, but release something every two weeks.
3: Um, well, you just live for getting in trouble, getting I me in trouble do. with Extron, aren't you?
1: I like Extron. <laughs> I like Anaheim.
3: I like Extron,
1: too. They don't, um, like, they don't like me, but, you know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh,
2: they, don't like, they don't like Distributors either, Tim so. Oh, <laughs> there it is! <laughs>
3: wow, you mean I could be the only one on the show that Extron likes?
1: Okay, just for the record, you're in UCLA. You're right there. I think they have to like you by California state law.
3: Uh, They they don't show up in your office when you upset them.
1: You're right, they don't.
3: Actually, they don't show up in my office either, but that's... We're getting off topic. We are. Um, Do I think they made the right decision? No. Um, They... But I've talked to a couple people there, and boy, you know, they, they clearly are distributing the Kool-Aid well over there. Everybody is, you know, lockstep, song and dance, you know, same page, same note, that, you know, by God, that's the most brilliant decision that's ever been made in the history of A.B. and we're sticking to it. Um, I think they'll be back in a couple of years in a much smaller form. I don't think they could have, I don't think they could have scaled back or canceled the bash, or uh, backed off in any sort of way that would have been the subject of even more speculation than this has been. Because I mean, this has been the AV story for the last year. No. But uh, I, I'm, I'm still betting. Yeah, two or three years, they'll be back. You know, they're they yeah they're pouring a ton of money and they really into it and they really have jumped the shark as far as doing big stuff at the show but to not be there doing training to you know it's, it's not just you know the the giving stuff you know i was sitting there in, in some of the classes there at infocom and you you sit there and you listen to some of these just absolutely brilliant people that we have in our industry and where they think things are going and you look around it's like hey guess what there aren't any extron people here so you know either they know everything which i'm not entirely sure they don't actually believe that at this point or you know they're they're kind of going to be missing the boat i think by not participating in the some form so my money is still on them coming back in a s- smaller form in yeah three years or so okay you heard it here first
1: uh, Stephen. do you think that they made the right the, the, they made the right choice in, in not going to 2012 infocom and to greg's point do you think that they'll be back they made the wrong choice not going to Infocom, absolutely. There are as many stories
2: as to why they didn't go to Infocom. There's the one that we read, and then there's the ones that I've heard. Uh, now, which you'll
3: tell us after we're done recording.
2: I will absolutely tell you afterwards. Or yes, I will not say it on air. Oh, they're probably the same ones I've heard. before. Yeah. Yeah, go right, exactly. so, And, and sure. the, here's the deal a lot of the uh people that go to infocom are the uh, the engineers the technicians the programmers you know these guys and they want to see this product they want to touch and feel that that booth was buzzing all the time they really want to see this stuff and i i think that they cheated their 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 customers by not being there they they need to be there and and I do agree with Greg. I think that they 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 know it. And if it's not a couple of years, it could even be that they'll be back in 2013. They're like the coke of the industry. They can afford to be away one year, <laughs> and it won't really affect them. But they'll they've got to come back. I just I just think it's I just think it's it's rude. And uh, and and I think that they disappointed a lot of their customers by not
3: being there. Introducing new extra. Oh wow. <laughs>
1: okay yeah and, not that and, I, I, not that I have an opinion on this term. Well, no, so, so, and, and, and I up? actually agree with I actually agree with you guys' opinion except for this I don't think they'll be back I really don't and, and the reason let me qualify that as long as as mr. Edwards is, is running the company I don't believe that they'll be back um, he's a very smart man he, he's created a, a really good company over the last 30 years. Company's also a very proud man, and, and like a lot of proud men, um, they're not apt to say that they're wrong. And I think coming back to Infocom is backpedaling because their statement was nobody goes to trade shows anymore. So why would they go to do a trade show? I think as long as Andrew is is running Extron, I don't think that they'll be back.
3: And and, other story, and if the other stories are true.
1: You're probably right. Yeah.
3: So. Andrew's not getting any younger, and you know, right now, I'm not sure that. They are set up to survive the transition. You know, it seems like it is a very much a a cult of personality from everything I have heard that that he's, you know, got his fingers in everything and they're gonna have to move away. You know, I I want to see them survive. I like a lot of the people there, I like a lot of their products, but you know, I'm I'm not sure they're set up in the best way in some in some areas. I
1: would I would disagree with that. I know a lot of the guys that are in I'm not saying upper management, but but above the the technician level, and I think that they've got a lot of good guys there that have a lot of really great ideas. But it's it's Andrew's company. Let's be frank about this. He it's a privately held company. It is his. It's his, everything. You know, it, everything comes down to, to him and his decisions. Uh, and I'm not here to second guess those decisions. I'm just saying I I I think that. Once he does retire and and however, you know, from a corporate standpoint that takes place, whether or not they, he, he sells them to somebody or, or there's a group of the, of the guys that are currently there that buys him out or however that happens. I, I think that they're set up, as long as they keep the same guys, the same team, I, I think that they'll be set up rather well. I still don't That's think... Quite- Go ahead. Is, Kramer
2: gonna, is, Kramer, is Kramer gonna take them over? Oh good lord, no. Oh
1: gosh. <laughs> no. I, I would see a similar situation with what happened with AMX and um, an auto patch. You know, somebody else coming in okay. that Alternix, maybe next AutoPatch,
2: yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, something like that. I'm not saying I'm not don't don't misunderstand. I'm not saying AMX is gonna buy Xtron, but I'm saying a, a company of the size that size who sees value who maybe doesn't do what Extron does. Sure. But maybe has the capital and has the wherewithal to absorb them. Um, yeah. and, and, and well, look, at
2: what, look at what Milestone have done with Draper and yeah. you know, all these companies, that companies are making. It's too difficult for them to, and Rexus, it's too difficult for them to open their own divisions of that stuff. So they incorporate, as you say, they got the money to do it and they can incorporate that into their business by buying it.
1: Why not? Yeah, why not? You know, and, and it makes sense and it keeps, you know, it keeps, and, and they may very well, um, Keep them separate. You know they may keep Extron, Extron, and and the original company separate, um, or, or or not. I mean there there are benefits of going both ways. Well, um, the name's
2: got such a legacy that you'd be crazy to eliminate it uh, uh, initially, but over time it could fade. Who knows?
1: Well, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, let, let's you know, AutoPatch was had a, a legacy as well. I mean, not not. It don't, I don't I don't know the the entire history of AutoPatch, but I believe that they had a, a, as long of one as – as Xtron has had at this point, and, and AMX has has fully integrated them now. Um, I just had an auto patch switcher replaced, and and it came back as an as an AMX switcher. So, all right. Uh, last but not least, let's talk about the international part of Infocom International. Uh, next week is two really important things for the Infocom community. Number one, it's AV Week, <laughs> um, and and really quickly, I I'm I'm going to to, to cop to something. We. St- totally borrowed the name a v week from a v week <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh the celebration was going on before the podcast so if they ever decide to come after me I'm gonna have to change the name I guess uh but no that's seriously that's that's why we huh Pay royalties? Uh, I, I could do that too. Yeah, we'll pay royalties. Um, but no, that's the seriously why we chose the name because it was a weekly podcast about AV, and it made sense. Uh, and there was they they were already doing the whole AV week thing. So next week, the fourteenth to the twentieth is AV week. There are several things going on. Uh, everything from something called AV Olympics, um, which if you uh, do the Twitter thing and you and you search for hashtag AV Olympics. Um, You'll find different things going on. One is actually at Infocom's headquarters in, in Fairfax, Virginia. But the other thing that's going on, and this is the thing that, that's kind of really got me going, uh, honestly, ever since I had a conversation with Joel Rollins at, at, at Infocom in, in Vegas this year, is the international part. Next week, uh, they're going to Dubai to do a, a, a Middle East uh, Infocom. You know, um, in January they'll go to ISC, and they'll—they've got several different ones. They have an Australia one, they have an India one, they have a mm-hmm. Colombian one. They have they actually—they actually have several um, different um, South American and Central American uh, shows that are native-speaking shows. They're in Spanish. Uh, the one in China is in Chinese, you know. Yep. Um, the one in Australia is in Australian. I think,
2: we, I think we went to one in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, we went to yeah, we went to one in Amsterdam. I think we sent one of our international team, and
1: they're going to the one in Colombia you mentioned actually, Tim. And so, uh, what yeah. I wanted to ask you guys is this: as an organization that affects all three of us in, in this in this industry, how do we help InfoComm? Grow AV outside the the U.S. borders, Stephen.
2: How do we help them grow a boy?
1: Or, or, or maybe we don't. Let, let, me, let me restate that. How do we help AV, not Infocom International, but how do we help the the AV industry grow outside of our borders?
2: Well, one of the one of the. Subjects. I, I I trust it's related. But one of the subjects, if you look at uh, Latin America as an example, you know, if you look at the South American countries or Brazil or any of these countries, uh, look at Brazil as an example. If if we want to help the AV industry in Brazil, man, we we've we got to try and see if they can open up their uh, their borders to to allow the product to come in without charging a hundred percent, you know, duties and taxes. On on the product and 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 give it free rein so that it can grow in a country that economically probably has a lot of potential for everybody. Uh, so breaking down borders uh, and and standardising where we can uh, across the board, uh, supporting the show and making sure we all go to the shows and make them popular, and uh, and and keep them running. Uh, I think you know those are some of the things that I can think off the top of my head without without thinking you
1: know too deeper into it. Greg how do guys like you and I um you know we, we don't work for manufacturers we're we're you know um the guys in the trenches the guys you know doing you know pulling cable and and putting in projectors how do we help this industry grow beyond our own borders is it doing like Stephen said you know networking and helping to to break down borders
3: well i think uh Yes, and, and we've got a few avenues to do that. You know, we're, we're both, to various degrees, active in, uh, you know, some of the listservs that are out there. You know, there's MediaL, there's uh, AB1.org, um, and, and just these networks of people that we are part of. And, you know, I know it's not something integrators do, but um, in... Uh, in higher ed, you know, we're constantly talking and bouncing stuff off to each other and getting each other's inputs, and and you're reminding me. I have an email from somebody in uh, New Zealand or Australia. I, I mix those two up, you know, all the time. <laughs> Thanks um, <laughs> uh, Who just reached out to me on uh, on LinkedIn the other day, looking for uh, um, my take on something that I had forgotten to get back to so far. So I had need to. Get back to him. So, um you know, I think I think that's how we do it is just through the uh, the, the communication and and the networking that we do, because I think we we do it as as higher ed folks a lot better than many corners of the a v world.
2: So Greg, when you go to Infocom, I ask you a question and, and this sure. is, yeah, we, we we stopped, we stopped, uh, we, uh, here I am saying Extron should be there for their customers. We stopped displaying it at Infocom because we, we're touching our customers so often and, and we you know, we visit them uh, outside of Infocom and all that stuff, so we don't mean to do it. But do you get a lot of value out of Infocom when you go? Because the thing is, if, if, if the show, if it's valuable, people will go, they'll learn stuff, they'll come away with something. But if it's not valuable, then it's just a show. So it's not offering any value, it's not growing the industry at all. So, do you get a lot of value when you go to a show as a as a let's call it end user scenario?
3: A huge amount of value. I think that's the that's the best place to see a lot of that stuff. And and to be honest, you know, I um, Extron, I, I talked a bit about. I, I did some blogging for a while on ev oneorg and I talked um, to, to sort of paraphrase a little of what I said on there. You know, the, the Extrons were not, were, were not some of the first booths I went to because like Extron, not only they're the local in my case, but they're big. I know people there. They call me. They send me email. They send me catalogs. They send me flyers, brochures. Everything constantly. They have a really great website that I'm very familiar with. Right. So their, theirs was not a their their going was, you know, not a huge loss as much as I miss them. But um, meanwhile, it was it was many of the smaller companies. Mm. You know, where am I going to get a chance to sit and look at all of the? I'll, I'll do equal time here. When, where am I going to get a chance to stand there and look at all the cryptic little boxes that Kramer makes? Right. You know, they, right. they have an abysmal website, and I do have a local guy who is really helpful, but I'm, I'm not going to get a chance to like look at the whole line and take it in and get a feel for what they do. And if you're designing and building systems, it's it's very much you're putting in. You're, you're putting information into your head where you don't necessarily know how you're going to pull it out in useful form in the future. You're, mm. you're, you're like stocking the reference library. I want right. to go there and I want to see as much as I can. And, you know, we, we, we got a couple people we send who go up there primarily for the drinking. I, am, I, I literally, if I am not doing something, I'm walking the floor. Right, and I'll do that for all three days. Yeah.
2: So I think if they work on the value aspect and the relationship aspect, Tim, I think that they, they if they, you know, if we we took a we took a camera uh, and we we got video testimonials from our customer on the floor at Infocom. That's a place that we decided we would do it, and we got some great testimonials there. And they were in the middle of the show, and it was all buzzing, and it was great. And I think Infocom have got to work off that buzz and show people why it's valuable to be at this show. They'll come, and that will grow the industry. Yeah, you know, just because they're there,
1: and I, I think there, I think there's a value with that as well. I, I I concur with what Greg said. You know, I go there to not only meet with you know a lot of the the manufacturers reps, but to find you know that that odd person that that person who like Don Mead has said this more than once. You know, the guy that buys a ten by ten booth that's in the back forty. That Absolutely. you may that have never seen, and and I've I've met some really interesting people, and and, and made some really good contacts yeah. uh, over the last few years. So yeah, that's why I used
2: to love the NSCA the NCA show when it was the when it was the tabletop mm-hmm. show. Yep. Remember those days, boy? I, that was just fantastic. You got you had this nobody could show off. You had this really concentrated little area. People came to your table, and you talked to them. Oh, that was great!
1: <laughs> and I think that's the one thing that still makes me sad about Extron's decide to, decision to to leave is there is that connection there that, regardless, I mean, let, let's be honest here. I I live in flyover country, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't live right up the road from Anaheim yeah, and Mickey Mouse. Right. Um, and so I'll see my guys once a year, but and it's, the and the saloon. I'm sorry, and the saloon, and the and the and and saloon. The saloon. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I, I see these guys maybe once a year. I see one of the, the people from, from whoever it is, whatever manufacturer... Uh, yeah. It's at the show that I get to meet, you know, the tech, the, the technician that I call in and, say, and and he's the one who's on the phone <coughs> with me for an hour trying to fix a problem. I get yep. to meet him face to face a lot of times, and I think that's that's the thing that that makes me the the, the most sad is the fact that that there is there isn't that face to face connection anymore. So.
2: And it's and I'm nitpicking here, but you look at the end, and I I don't know the true figures, but I'm going to take a guess here. Infocom Orlando versus Infocom Las Vegas. Where's the most attendance? I think Vegas.
3: They I think they, than Orlando,
2: yeah. Exactly. So why why even have it there? Don't waste your time. Have it in a in a place where you're going to get the most people coming. Yeah. Don't don't waste your time. I mean, as much as it's great for us because it's close, uh, well,
1: <laughs> you you can just drive there, can't you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. and and I've I've heard it explained a couple of different ways. First of all, you have manufacturers on both coasts. You know, trying to make it in, in each time zone. I get that. Um, yeah, but don't the manufacturers want to see more people? Really?
2: If I'm a manufacturer, no, it's offset by I see more people in <laughs> Vegas. So that's, you know, it's kind of it sounds like a weak
1: argument to me on their part. But yeah. anyway, all right, that right there is Stephen McKay. He's from IAVI, the VP of Sales. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you very much for having me again, Tim. Uh, where can people find you, or or about you, or just IAVI in general?
2: IAVI.com, if they go there sir, they'll uh, they'll find out as much as they need to know I trust
1: okay. uh also with us is Greg Brown a fully vested 100% guaranteed blogger for infocom <laughs> all voices I didn't say that you were you know you, you were uh, authorized by them but you are on their website so
3: they, uh, well, my my next couple will actually uh, test just how much I can get oh, away with, goodness. and that's Don't all i in say.
1: Trouble. All right. Um, he's um, also he also works for UCLA, um, on on the in all, my spare time. In his spare yeah. time. Uh, where can people find you or find out more about you, sir?
3: Well, you already plugged uh, all voices. Uh, where it's it's not just my blogging. There's a whole bunch of people who. Are far smarter and far more interesting than me. Um, it's it's quite an oh the only one more question.
1: interesting than you is Brad Grimes. So no, there are oh, no there are some there is there are some really
3: smart people on that on that are blogging there for for them. I it was kind of a, I, I looked at the list the first time. It was kind of a a uh, a you know we're not worthy moment, but. Um, uh, no that's the best place for me right now I do my blogging there and if you really need to track me down I can be found on LinkedIn fairly
1: easily okay alright uh, my name is Tim Albright uh, thank you so much for joining us if you would like to find more about me um, I don't know why but hey uh, you can go to Twitter I guess that is at T.D. Tim David Albright A.L.B. but more importantly for me and everybody here at AV Nation please go by our website Uh, our buddy, Matt Scott has worked ever so hard on it. (laughs) It's called avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You can find this podcast there as well as the other four that we do. We do an education show, which we mentioned, uh, has Mr. Brown on. It Actually also has Matt Silverman who we had on earlier. Uh, we do a DIY show this past month. They did a, a special about beer, um, it's never a bad show when you're doing one about beer. So uh, there's the AV Social as well as the Live Life. So those are the five ones that we do. So check those out if you would. AVNation.tv. AVNation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>